This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I want to get to the uh, things I didn't get to last week department. Uh, this uh, you, this is a uh, something that was posted to the Minnesota Skeptics Facebook page uh, by one of the Minnesota Skeptics, and it's a it's a product that's available on the uh, full of bullshit website called Goop, which is uh, fronted by America's princess. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and uh, she's she's come up with a way to um, to try to help mainly women. It's a site mainly geared toward women, but I'm sure there's stuff on there that men might buy. Uh, it's to it's meant to I, to create a better life for people, wellness, healthy, the more realized you, whatever kind of bullshit phrase they want to come up with. Um, it gives advice and sells products, and most of it, at least uh, what I've been hearing about it, is uh, pretty damn dubious, <laughs> uh, pretty damn silly, and some of it is dangerous. Uh, steaming your vagina, if you're a woman and you got one of those, steaming it. You see, that's not a good idea. Now, America's princess might think it's a good idea, but uh, the gynecologists of the world see that and say, no, that's not a good idea. See, uh, the, the parts of your body that are supposed to have a certain um, wetness, <laughs> for, to, to try to not sound gross, um, you know, there's the, the, the body provides you know, the 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 oils and moisture and such you know it, it provides that there's a balance to it there's you know it's the body has it takes care of that so if you steam out your uh, some orifice in your body that is probably you know could be killing off some bacteria that shouldn't be killed off uh, maybe be introducing bacteria that shouldn't be introduced into those areas. It's just not a good idea. Your body, if you're healthy, should be taking care of that kind of stuff. You really don't need to. You, know, you should wash, of course, but you really don't need to, to put steam up there. Um, it's not a good idea. Uh, I'm not an expert on these things, but when I hear gynecologists say, oh, no, 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 no. No, that's not a good idea. Um, then I, I take the word of the, those uh, folks because that's they that's that's their job. 
they know that part of the body and they understand it. Uh, sure, they, they understand it a heck of a lot much better than some actress, uh, unless, of course, she's a gynecologist as well. But uh, don't think Gwyneth Paltrow is. She's just America's princess, and she's leading people to do just just not very good uh, things to themselves. Um, and I don't want to say that the people that uh, go to her site and buy things from her site are stupid or something. I don't want to give that impression. They are gullible, um, which, you know, we all have our moments of gullibility and skeptics as well as anybody else. We, we have those moments. So we have to be, you know, if you're, a, if you're trying your best to be a good skeptic, be a critical thinker, you, you, you're trying to protect yourself from falling for certain things, but it does happen even to the best skeptics out there, um, where they might have a moment of gullibility. Whether it's they, they, somebody's uh, playing a joke on them and they fall for it, or it's some, you know, they fall for a sales pitch or something like that. Um, it can happen. So you know, you need to be vigilant. So anyway. Uh, one of the uh, Minnesota Skeptics put this up on the site, uh, on the Facebook page for Minnesota Skeptics, which you can find. You can, be, if you're, you don't have to be from Minnesota. You can join the group. I think I don't think there's any rules as far as that goes. You know, if you support skepticism and you want to see what the Minnesota Skeptics are up to and what they're posting, well, go look for it on the Facebook. You'll find it. I, I think it's okay for you guys to join the group, even if you're not from Minnesota. If you are from Minnesota, why not? So anyway, um, what it was, it, it was a screen capture, and I've got a screen capture that I'll put on the show notes page, which you know where to find the show notes page if you've been listening to my show. It's at Dimland Radio. Uh, well, it's at dimland.com, and you click on the blog option, and you'll get to the show notes for Dimland Radio. And so, so be sure to do that. Check it out. And uh, it's got links to all sorts of stuff that I talk about on the show so that you can see where I you know, get the information I've got, and you can check me on, on my facts. And if I get something wrong, go ahead and email me. Send me an email to uh, drdim at dimland.com, D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. Send me an email. Say, hey, you got this wrong. Here's something you should check out, and maybe you'll make a correction. You know, I do correct things when I get things wrong. Anyway, what the, the product is, is uh, it's, uh, it's a little bottle, a little spray bottle, that's got uh, 3.4 ounces of some fluid in there that is uh, psychic vampire repellent. Now, I'm not sure what a psychic vampire is exactly. I don't think it's literally a vampire, somebody that comes and sucks your blood. Uh, I don't think it's literally that, but I, I think what it is, it's some somebody that can put the psychic whammy on you. <laughs> or, you know... It's just what it says about this particular tincture. Uh, it uh, it says that it's um, it, it tells you it's in the instructions on the page. Uh, shake gently before each use. Uh, you know, shake gently. You don't. You know, it's, it, when I you know, when you have some, usually it says shake well before using, but this is shake gently. Um, which, I don't know, I'm not just saying that's, I just, I don't usually see shake gently. Uh, spray around the aura to protect from psychic attack and emotional harm. 
uh, avoid contact with eyes, do not ingest or inhale. So, okay, that's good. Um, do not ingest and inhale and keep it out of your eyes. But um, it, I, it's psychic attack. You see, um, as far as I know, and I, I, maybe I'm not aware of it, but as far as I know, uh, I know that I don't use this psychic vampire repellent, but I think I, uh, I've, I've successfully avoided being psychically attacked. And I didn't even have to plunk down 27 bucks. That's what this little bottle will cost you. $27 for it. And you can spray it around the aura and protect yourself from those stuff, those things. I, I may have suffered some emotional harm at some point in my life, maybe. But, you know, who hasn't? But I'm not sure that's what they mean. I don't know what they mean. It's that's the thing about these alternative uh, medicine type things. They can be vague about stuff, and 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 they can use these phrases like you know it'll boost your energy. Well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> boost my energy, uh, or it'll boost my immune system. How, how how do you do that? I suppose I can figure out what boost your energy is. You know, I think about it. You know, if I feel more energetic. I suppose my energy was boosted because I got a good night's rest or something. I, I, I don't know. Well, okay, more about this, though. It says uh, on, on about this uh, psychic vampire repellent that it was made by crystal and spiritual healer Zoe Taylor Crane. Uh, I don't know if She's a crystal and spiritual healer. So does she heal crystals? Or does she use crystals in her spiritual healing? It's kind of an awkward statement there. What is a crystal healer? Is it somebody that heals crystals? Spiritual healer? Eh, you know, what do they do? Anyway, and then uh, she distills the powers of gemstones into gorgeous elixirs and mists. Um... A couple few questions come up when I read this. Just, I, you know, it's me. I'm a, I'm a skeptic, and I want to try to figure out what. Uh, so the questions that come up are, um, how do I find the aura in order to spray around it? And what does that mean to spray around the aura? You know, it's it, what does that mean? And... Which aura are we talking about? My aura or the aura of the psychic vampire? And again, how do I find it? If it's the psychic vampire's aura, how do I find that? I, I'm, you know, I don't know. Is it, is the aura? If it's my aura, is it real close to me? Is it, it? I'm assuming it surrounds me. But is it real close to me? Do I spray it on my skin, or do I kind of spray it away from me? I know I'm not supposed to get it in my eyes or ingest it or inhale it. But uh, how you know how do how do I make sure that it gets around my aura? It's a question I have. Uh, and just how does one distill the powers of a gemstone? How do you distill it? Do you boil the gemstones? Do you pulverize them? Do you make them into a powder and then put the pow put it into this this concoction? Which actually. If you see the bottle, you'll see the picture in the bottle. And in the bottom of the bottle, there are little pebbles, little gemstone pebbles, I guess, in the bottom of it. 
and I, you know, they're just as far as I know, they're just in there. Uh, I mean, that's uh, and and it's not it's not an image on the label. It's actually you can see into the bottle, and, and they're actually in there because there are other little sprays, elixirs, mists that you can get that are that were created by this Zoe Taylor crane. You can, there are others you can get, and there's pictures of those other ti uh, other tinctures, other items, and they too have little pebbles in the bottom of the bottles, but they don't all you know, line up exactly the same. So it's as though, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there's actually little pebbles inside these bottles, which, what does that do? I mean, because a pebble doesn't dissolve in water. If the water is running, it'll it'll erode the pebble. It'll do that. If the water is moving and it has a way, to, and the and the pebble is stationary, or if the pebble is moving along and knocking onto things, it will it will erode it. But that means just bits of the pebble will come off. It just it won't dissolve. Um, but there might be some stones that dissolve in water that I'm unaware of, but. I think most they just kind of sit there. Um, they also have a, a, a something that's called uh, Chill Child, which is a a, a kid calming uh, mist. Now it doesn't tell you how to use it. it. Doesn't tell you where to spray it. You know, spray it on the kid. It doesn't tell you to avoid spraying it in their eyes or having them inhale or ingest it. I'm assuming they don't want you doing that either, but it doesn't. It doesn't have that warning. Um, so I'm not sure where the aura. You know, to spray it into their aura, spray it on their breakfast cereal. What? I don't. You know, what do you do with it? And and then there's also a what's it called? Uh, clean slate. Uh, this is to spray around the environment and aura to clear away undesirable energy. I don't know what undesirable energy is. Uh, what would that be uh, exactly? And again, this is this alternative thinking crowd. This, this they have this word energy that they misuse all the time. Uh, so I'm not sure what undesirable energy means there. Uh, but you spray it around the environment and the aura to clear away the undesirable energy. Uh, the stuff I'm I'm assuming has a scent to it. It might smell pleasant. But uh, essentially what you're doing is just spraying some, I don't know, air freshener that's got some pebbles in the bottle. Uh, it, does, it does tell you its ingredients. On, on the, for the Psychic Vampire Repellent, the ingredients are sonically tuned water. Let's stop right there. Sonically tuned water. Can you sonically tune water? Sonically tuned to what? What does that mean? I don't know what that means, sonically tuned water. Um, there's rose water, grain alcohol, sea salt, colloidal, uh, let's see, colloidal silver, colloidal silver, it's a hard word to say, uh, therapeutic grade oils of rosemary, juniper, and lavender, a unique and complex blend of gem elixirs, including, but not limited to, Black uh, tourmaline or tourmaline, I'm not sure how you say it. There's uh, lapis lazuli, ruby, uh, labradorite, uh, bloodstone, 
Aqua Aura, Black Onyx, Garnet, Pyrite, and uh, Numite. Reiki. There's Reiki involved in it. Reiki. Sound Waves, Moonlight, Love, and Reiki Charged Crystals. Reiki gets in there twice, but it's got love. Love is one of the ingredients that's in there. I'm. How do you put? How do you? Uh, how do you put love in it? You just look at it pleasantly, with with love in your eyes. Do you say, "I love you"? I I love you. How do you? How do you do? How? In moonlight. Did you just set it out at night? There, the you see the moonlight's getting you. Sound waves, I suppose, saying "I love you" to the, the to this water, this this whatever this is, um, creates sound waves. Maybe that's the way you sonically tune it. Uh, and they do dis they do include the disclaimer. The disclaimer is this product has not been evaluated by the FDA. Gem elixirs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Gem elixirs are not intended to replace the advice or care of a medical professional. Gem elixirs are intended to extract as much money as possible from the gullible. I, I added that last bit, but that's probably true, <laughs> don't you think? So, yeah, I'll link to it. You'll see. I'll, I'll, I think I'll put a screen capture up there, and I'll link to the Goop site. And you'll find the page, and you'll see that these are actual, actual items for sale by America's Princess uh, Goop. Oh, gosh, you know, she, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow. She's almost as dangerous as Jenny McCarthy. Uh, why people listen to celebrities? I'll, I don't know. But uh, anyway, she's a bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> I she think I think she thinks she's doing well. I for you know doing this for the greater good, the greater good. Uh, I think she's doing that. She thinks that, um, but uh, you know, and to make some money off of it doesn't hurt. And as long as you put the disclaimer in there that you know the 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 FDA is not evaluating disclaimer, which is just a long way of saying <laughs> this is just bullshit. <laughs> um, which that's how I take it. That that's my heuristic whenever I see that. Oh, oh, you're telling me that it probably doesn't work and it's bullshit. Uh, anyway, uh, I think I'll take my first break. Why don't I do that? I'll take a break. There's another thing that I didn't get to last week, last couple of weeks. So I'm gonna get to them when I come back from this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And uh, when I get back, I'll uh, I'll talk some more. And that's, doesn't that make sense? I guess it does. Uh, sit tight. To Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on channels. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel. 
such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm catching up on a couple of things that I didn't get to talk about in the last couple of weeks. So uh, part of that catching up uh, involves one of these. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's an old complaint. I've mentioned it before on the show. I know, I know. But it just, I just can't. Well, okay. Uh, I was at the uh, the comic book store that I do some work for, and uh, there's a stack of stuff on the showcase counter at the and I um, was on the bottom of that stack was uh, a picture frame, and so I, I I thought oh I'm curious to see what this what's in the picture frame, and so I clear off the stuff on top of it and there framed in that picture frame was a uh, uh, an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper with a copy. Uh, well, it, it's a it's what's called a uh, color guide or color proof for a comic book page, and it's something that the colorists for comic books puts together. You know, they place the colors where they're going to go on the page. Uh, it's done at a smaller size, not at the same size as the original art. It's just the original art is shrunk down, and they just load in the colors and they'll write in the code numbers. To, for those corresponding colors, there's a color matching system called, called I think Pantone is what they use, and they'll put in a number, and and then they'll submit that to the editor. Say, here's how I see the coloring look, and then they'll make changes if they want. Uh, they'll just you know, anyway. So that's how it's done, and then I guess it's shown to the the printer to make sure that the color matches correctly with the uh, the color guide and that kind of stuff. There's I guess there there's a there's a market for people who want to buy these. And our store has one of them, and it's uh, it's a it's page eleven from Daredevil Comics, uh, the original the first series of Daredevil from from Marvel that uh, started out in 1964, I believe it was, and uh, it's it's issue number 296, so page eleven from there. The uh, it's an action sequence page, and uh, it it has the uh, you know, it's got all the words and text. You know, all the all the dialogue and narrative boxes stuff. All the, all the text is written in. The drawing's all done. It's just putting in the color. That's what this thing is. That's what it's for. So 
there it is. First word on the page. I look at it. And I, first word on the page, and I just went when I saw it. Uh, the first word was the word "woe." Now, I know, I know, I know. I've talked about it before. The word "woe." There's, there's "woe is me," which is W-O-E. I believe there's a spelling of just W-O. Uh, maybe. Uh, don't quote me on that one. But the word woe, as used in that instance in the comic book, and when you're trying to slow a horse down and stop a horse, you say whoa. Or you're, or you're like Neo in The Matrix, and when that first little silly thing happens, you know, weird thing that happens to him in The Matrix, and he says, whoa. Okay? Those woes, those two words of woe, are spelled the same way. They mean something differently, different anyway, but they they are spelled the same way. W H O A. That's how they're spelled. W H O A. And I've made this point that I think anybody under the age of 40, at, I think at most 40, maybe more like under the age of 35, anyone under under those ages they they do not know how to spell the word woe. They all, well, I shouldn't say all, because I don't know that all do it, but so many of them spell it W-A, or I'm sorry, W-O-A-H. W-O-A-H, which is pronounced WOA. Take that W out, put an N in there, you got Noah, put the W back, it's WOA. It's not WO. And there it was. It was spelled W-O-A-H. At the top, the first word on that comic book page. Now, I know you're saying, Dim, this is an old complaint. You've gone about this before. Yes, I know. The reason why it's this is it's an arg this week is because I learned how to spell the word woe from comic books. That's that's where I learned how to spell it from comic books. And there it is in a comic book produced by somebody, written, lettered by somebody under the age of 40. And they spelled it wrong. <laughs> it's just like, oh my goodness. Didn't the editor catch this? Why didn't somebody catch this? That's not how you spell woe. That's the first thing that set me off. And then when I was writing some stuff, uh, uh, writing to somebody on Facebook or whatever, and, and, or I was writing it in, in Word, I noticed something when writing a complaint about woe being, when it's spelled incorrectly. And when I spell it incorrectly and on Facebook or on and Word, on my computer, either here at home, my laptop right here, or at the computer at the office, I write the word incorrectly, there isn't that spell check with the little dotted yellow red line at the bottom, the dotted red line under the word when you've misspelled something, you know what it does. It doesn't do that for that spelling. I spell it the correct way, it doesn't do that. I, if I spell it W-H-O-A-H, which is another way people misspell the word, word then the spell checker will, will show and say, yeah, yeah, that's not right. But now, the spell checker thinks that, that W-O-A-H is acceptable. I, I just I I I know I should let it go. I know I should 
I should I should be calm about this and just say it's not the big it's not a big deal. But she, because you know what you know what people do, they'll say to me, you know, well you know English is you know language, including English. The languages evolve; they change. So we we don't spell all the words the same way we that we did a hundred years ago. There are words that we spell differently. I can't think of any at the moment, but there are words we spell differently. And in, in the in the UK and Canada, they throw a U in words like color and favorite. They throw a U in there. I don't know why, but they do. We don't do that here in America. But I. I, you know, that's grandfathered in because that was the way it's been all, as far as I know, forever. And now that these under 40 crowd have decided that woe is spelled W-O-A-H, it's like, it's okay, fine, fine. If you're telling me that the language changes and the way we spell it is is going to change and you're just going to have to stop being an old curmudgeon, Jim, and just accept it, fine. Fine. Is that the way you're going to do it? Fine. Spell words any way you want. Just go ahead. Fine. See if I care. Just know that when it comes to spelling, Raymond Luxury Yatched, it might be spelled that way, but it's pronounced Throat Wobbler Mangrove. Okay? I mean, what's this? That's a Monty Python bit I just stole. What's to stop us from doing that? Hey, it's spelled W-A-O-H, but it's pronounced blah, blah, blah. That's how I pronounce it. Language is fluid, and it just keeps the... You know, so, oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> it just really bothered me when I saw it in a comic book, because that's where I learned how to spell it. <sighs> so, um, I have a friend. I do. Uh, this friend uh, took to Facebook to um, uh, to give his views on the the idea that uh, the the maybe the usefulness of the electoral college has come to an end. Uh, he does not believe so. He he's fine with the electoral college. It's uh, you know we should have it. He thinks so. And uh, he gives his reasons, and I'll I'll go into that. Um, and I, it's it's something that's been coming up. Well, since the 2016 election, it gets it pops up on Facebook here and there, and uh, of course it came up after the 2000 election, and all that, because of the the idea that the popular vote getter, uh, the one that gets the most popular votes, somehow. The way the electoral college system is set up, somehow they don't manage to get enough electoral votes, and they lose the election. Well, what my friend wrote, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read what uh, what my friend wrote, and uh, and that got and he and uh, I believe my friend created this image. It's a it's an image of Lincoln, and uh, there's text next to it. And the text reads, Abraham Lincoln won the 1860 presidential election with an electoral college landslide win of 180 votes while securing only 39% of the popular vote. And then he has a, 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 a few paragraphs, uh, short paragraphs, uh, explaining a little more detail to this, this meme. 
giving it a little, fleshing it out, if you will. And uh, so I'm going to read what my friend wrote. The next time you find yourself thinking the Electoral College is a bad thing, keep in mind this little historical tidbit. Abraham Lincoln was elected to the presidential office due to his majority in the Electoral College despite having only 39% of the popular vote. Again, for emphasis, Lincoln won the 1860 presidential election in an Electoral College landslide with 180 electoral votes while only securing 39% of the popular vote. Let that sink in. Okay, let's let that sink in. All right, did it sink in? Okay. Then he says this, were we a democracy rather than a constitutionally limited representative government, we'd have had no President Lincoln. Uh, because we are a representative republic and not a democracy, the founders, in their genius, created the Electoral College and embedded it into the Constitution for the purpose of having a broad representation of states as opposed to a one-man, one-vote where particularly dense populated, densely populated cities could cancel out whole states to determine the election based solely on the issues pertinent to their urban areas. Now I'm going to stop here and say, well, because of the Electoral College, now you've got some small states that might, uh, uh, that might determine the election based solely on the issues pertinent to their rural areas. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't the opposite be true in that case, maybe? Well, maybe not. He goes on. The Electoral College is good. It is part of our constitutionally limited representative form of government. Anyone who wishes to dismantle it would probably do better living in a different country under a different form of government. Well, <laughs> right there he's sort of saying the, the old America, love it or leave it sort of thing, which I'm not down with that. You can, you can have problems with the Electoral College. I'm not going to begrudge you um, thinking that the Electoral College is... Uh, messed up. I'm not going to begrudge you for that. Uh, uh, so, I want to read one sentence in here again and so that you keep this in mind as I go through this little history lesson, which I went through with my friend. He says, we were, I'll say, no, I'm sorry, start again. Were we a democracy, rather than a constitutionally limited representative government, we'd have had no President Lincoln. So I looked at this and I said, as a good skeptic, are the numbers right? Is this right that he had 180 electoral votes while only getting 39% of the popular vote? What's the story there? So what did I do? I looked it up. I went to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a decent site, find information, uh, at least this kind of information, and uh, and I looked at other uh, other things too, because because um, there's more that I'll talk about after after I get through this little bit here. And I found some information, and I wrote a response to for my friend. Um, uh, the results. Uh, this is why I have a response. The results of the 1860 presidential election per Wikipedia. Percentage of popular vote by candidate and number of electoral votes each received. Okay, It should be noted that in 1860, there were four candidates for president. The, so, um, so, there was, so I'll, 
I'll list these four candidates, the percentage of the popular vote that, the, that each one got, and the number of electoral votes they received. Abraham Lincoln, he got 39.8% of the popular vote, 180 electoral votes. Stephen Douglas, 29.5% with 12 electoral votes. John Breckinridge, 18.1%, 72 electoral votes. John Bell, 12.6%, 39 electoral votes. So of the four candidates, Lincoln won, this is me continuing here in my response to my friend. So of the four candidates, Lincoln won the popular vote by more than 10 points over his nearest opponent. And as, is, as in most presidential elections, the Electoral College coincided with the popular vote. To try to connect this to the problem of the Electoral College versus the popular vote doesn't work. Lincoln won the electoral vote and the popular vote. Now, if you're, I said, I know you're not suggesting that if we went merely by popular vote, then we would have had three presidents serving concurrently from 1861 to 1865 because collectively they received 60.2% of the popular vote. That's not how presidential elections work. Lincoln got the most votes, period. However, this is where the idea of a mandate comes in. That's where a president will say, you know, because I got such a great amount of the popular vote, I have a mandate uh, from the people to be able to push my uh, agenda through. Uh, so like uh, Nixon could say that in, in his 1972 re-election. Uh, uh, Reagan could say that in 1980 when he won election, uh, won the election to presidency, and he could say it again in '84 when he was re-elected. He, you know, be won by such great margins. You know, he could say, "I have a mandate." Bill Clinton could not. Bill Clinton won with less than 50% of the vote when he won the office in 1992, uh, and then when he was re-elected in 1996. Both times he won with less than 50% of the vote. It's just that the other two guys he was running against had even less than than that than that percentage of the vote. So then what Bill Clinton had. Okay, back to my response. Um, let's see. If you were to argue that even though Lincoln won the popular vote by 10 points more than his nearest competitor, because he received well under 50% of the vote, he could not claim a mandate, then I'd agree with you. But to suggest that the 1860 presidential election somehow demonstrates the need for the electoral, co electoral college is just wrong. Lincoln would have won the election without the electoral college. He received the most votes. I want to be clear. I'm not arguing for or against the electoral college. I am pointing out your argument is a bad one. And then I said, oh, and if you really want to get messed up when it, about the whole electoral college slash popular vote thing, check out the presidential election of 1824. John Quincy Adams lost both votes, both the popular and the electoral, but he still became president. Uh, I'm up to my next break. I'll get back. I'll, when I get back, I'll, I'll expand on that 1824 election and how that could happen. How can you lose both the popular vote and the electoral vote and still become president? It's, it's, it's weird, but it's constitutional. It worked. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'll be back after this break.
hate. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. When, oh, when will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Talking about the 1860 election. Talk about topical. That's that's Dimland Radio for you. We're topical here. Huh? 1860 election. Uh, but it was... It was what they call polarity. You know, when you have several uh, candidates, you know, more than two, uh, you get three or four. Uh, he had there were four candidates there. They split up the vote, uh, and it's interesting that uh, if you were listening to the numbers I was giving, the second highest popular vote getter, which, who was Stephen Douglas, he was running for the Democrats on the Democrat side. He was pro-slavery, <laughs> um, and Lincoln was was anti-slavery but he wasn't he was a little nuanced in his running he was not he was not running to outright abolish it but he was running to um to limit it to where it already existed to keep it from going to the new states you know to get it to keep it from expanding keep it where it is it'll eventually die out that's what the hope was that slavery would just kind of just go away um so that's that's that was his position. He might not have liked slavery, didn't want it to, you know, but he didn't want to be so radical as to be considered an abolitionist. Um, now, it is interesting that the way it happened, uh, Lincoln got 39.8% of the vote. Uh, in that, in 1860, the number of electoral votes needed to win the election was 152. Well, he got 180, so that can be considered a landslide in the electoral end of things, but certainly not in the popular vote sort of things. He was 10 points more than his next closest uh, uh, competitor for the office, but with four guys running, splitting up the vote, uh, 
and it's and I was saying it's 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 interesting interesting that the 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 second place vote getter popular vote getter got the least amount of electoral college votes. He got twelve. That was Stephen Douglas. Uh, the 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 next guy, uh, John Breckinridge, who was a pro-slavery guy. He was uh, he was the vice president for James Buchanan. He was somehow related to the Democrats' party, but it was a it was a, the Democrat party was getting a little splintered back then. There were the more moderate Democrats and the more pro-slave Democrats, more you know just you know hardline. And uh, Breckenridge, I think, fell in more in with the more hard. Well, he and Douglas were in the more hardline ish end of the Democrats, uh, and so. Breckenridge got 18.1%, but he got 72 electoral votes. That's just the states that he won. And the southern states were not very populous. So they didn't have a high number of electoral uh, votes available. And then John Bell, who was a little more moderate than, than Lincoln, but was more on Lincoln's side of things, uh, he got 12.6% of the vote and 39 electoral votes. Well, let's just play this scenario out, which wouldn't have happened, but let's just say that all those votes that went, that, that didn't go to Lincoln, all went to Stephen Douglas. So that Stephen Douglas ends up with 60.2% of the, of the popular vote. He would still have lost the election because he would only have gotten 123 electoral college votes. He would not have had enough, not the 152. Lincoln still would have won. Now, that wouldn't have played out that way. John Bell, I think, took votes from Lincoln, whereas uh, John Breckinridge took votes from, from Douglas. Um, so it wouldn't have played out exactly that way. If John Bell's votes all went to Lincoln, then Lincoln would have won by more than 50% and you know, would have shaken sh sh out, shook out that way. But the the um, discussion on Facebook went a little farther. Uh, I posted something about you know knowing how people will uh, will be in one direction for a while and then go in another uh, quite. Uh, quite quickly, and um, when it's when it when it's not their guy, you know, when it's their when the situation is for their guy, their person, they're okay with it, and then when the situation is the same but it goes against their guy, they're wrong with it. You know, it's like, well, this is not right. And by what by that, I posted to Facebook. I wrote uh, to my Republican friends. Uh, I'm sure that your support for the electoral college. Uh, will continue even if a Democrat loses the popular vote but wins the electoral vote and becomes president, right? And to my uh, friend's credit, who started this whole thing, he said he would still, he said, I, I'd complain about the candidate who won, but I'd still support the electoral college. He's, he's being honest about it. He'd still support it. And I said, well, good. You're not a hypocrite. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be a hypocrite, which is what I think a lot of these people will say, well, it went against their, their person, so well, now I'm against it. But it went for my guy, and I'm for it. I have a feeling that that's, that would be the greater tendency, I, I think. Um, 
and also to my friend's credit, uh, when I eventually convinced him that uh, you know you're wrong here about this whole electoral college and uh, and Lincoln, um, he 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 did adjust what he had written. He took out the line that were were it not for the electoral college, we would not have had President Lincoln. He took out that line, but he still left everything else. I think pretty much the same. So it's still not quite right. It's it's still his argument still doesn't quite cold water. But anyway, so I, I posted that about you know, about Republicans would the, when, if the shoe was on the other foot, would you still say, well, the Electoral College is still a good idea. Our founding fathers are, are still geniuses. Would you still be doing that? And um, it, got, it got into a, a discussion between my, my one friend and another friend uh, talking about this. And I saw where the discussion between them was going, so I, I just said so I just popped in there for a comment, and I wrote this. Uh, and I warned them. I said, it's going to be lengthy, just warning you. Uh, I said, it is worth noting, and I mentioned the Quin John Quincy Adams thing. Well, here's, here's where I'll explain how it happened, where John Quincy Adams became president. It is worth noting that John Quincy Adams, son of one of the founders, gained the presidency while losing both the popular and electoral vote to Andrew Jackson. The reason was that though Jackson won the popular vote and the electoral vote, he fell far short of the 131 electoral votes uh, that needed to win the office. Uh, Jackson won received 99 and Adams uh, received 84. The decision was then turned over to the House of Representatives, as provided for in the Constitution, and the members voted. They voted for Adams. So despite having lost both the popular and electoral votes, John Quincy Adams became our sixth president. So, um, and I, I was, I haven't had a chance to look and see, uh, but I, I, I parenthetically noted, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it were possible to find some historical record of how the founders felt about the results of the 20, 1824 election. I'll see. I, I haven't had a chance to check to see if I can find it, but there, there might be something out there where they talk about it. Uh, but I do agree with my friend, my other friend, that was having a little side discussion with the, the one who's uh, supporting the Electoral College. Uh, 2016 just doesn't feel right. In 2000, Gore received about 543,000 votes more than Bush and still lost. Uh, that's a slim margin, especially when compared to 2016, in which Hillary Clinton received 2.9 million more votes than Donald Trump. Uh, the founders might have been happy this, the system worked, and maybe not, but it's hard to say. Uh, I looked into the other four times that the popular vote loser still won the office. It's been, there's been five times in the history of our country where that's happened. Uh, and I looked at the differences in the margins of votes received. So first time was Andrew Jackson and, and John Quincy Adams. Now Andrew Jackson the first name I'll list will be the name that won the popular vote. Andrew Jackson, Quincy, uh, the Andrew Jackson slash John Quincy Adams margin of difference was approximately 39,000 votes. Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B. Hayes, uh, the difference there was approximately 250,000 votes. Uh, Grover Cleveland and Benjamin Harrison, approximately 91,000 votes. Al Gore, George W. Bush, approximately 543,000 votes. Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, approximately 
million votes. Uh, each time, the first name listed was the one that received the most popular votes. I said the other margins are considerably slimmer than 2016. A strong argument can be made that the will of the people was ignored in that election. Uh, still, the candidates knew the rules going in, and the election went according to those rules. Uh, and again, I note, I'm not arguing for or against the Electoral College here. I'm stating that should a future presidential election come out similar to 2016, except in that case, it's the Democrat who wins. Republicans are, who are voicing their support for the Electoral College now had better not change their tune when it goes against them. Otherwise, they're hypocrites. Same goes for Democrats who today are saying the Electoral College should be done away with. They had better still be saying the same thing, even if it benefits their candidate. Otherwise, they will be hypocrites, which was my original point. And there was uh, somebody, that uh, another Facebook friend, that mentioned that, well, the way the Electoral College system works, it benefits the small, you know, it's more of a benefit to the smaller states, which smaller states tend to go for Republicans. So the scenario of a Democrat losing the popular vote but winning the electoral vote is not as likely to happen. But I think it could happen. So I just I wanted to set the record straight with these people. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. It's happened before. Hopefully we'll survive with uh, what had happened this time. Um, wow, I've, 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 uh, I've gotten to th my three cool things. Let's get through them quickly. Uh, number one, there's a video that uh, I just spotted on Facebook, and I'll link to it on the show notes page, of a, a an albino moose walking along through the wild, you know, going into some water and walking out of the water. It's an albino moose. It's really cool looking. And not only that, how rare must an albino moose be? And somebody's got really excellent, clear video of it. We got an albino moose. I've even seen video footage or photographic image of a uh, of an albino uh, humpback whale. How rare must that be? And yet we've got some really excellent photographic evidence of them, but still shit evidence for Bigfoot, the Nessie, Ogopogo. Yeah, all, all these other uh, images that you see bad video of, of something that's just beyond the trees, hitting, walking behind the trees, this dark, slightly humanoid-looking thing that could be as, as easily a person in a costume. You know, that's what we get. That's the best we get. Anyway, but the white, the albino moose is really cool looking. Uh, number two. This stuff is far. There's a video uh, of a young scientist demonstrating using scale uh, just how far away the, the nearest stars are to um, to uh, the sun, our sun. And it, he use if you use the sun, uh, uh, use a, a, a standard P, just a you know a little vet, you know the vegetable, the peas, you know P, little green P. You use that as the as the sun. The, the closest star is Proxima Centauri. That, it, you know, on the scale model, you would have to go 125 miles away from that P, that is the sun, in order to show the scale. I mean, that's, that's a long ways away. 
That's that's you know, and Alpha Centauri, the next closest star, and and it's much more bright. And you can see it in the sun, sky. It's even farther than that. So it's pretty cool. Stuff is very far. The demonstration was done nicely, and the guy gives some explanations about stuff, and it's really cool. So check that out. And number three, <laughs> baseball's back. <laughs> It's opening day was yesterday, and the Twins played, and they won. They're undefeated. They didn't play a game today. They'll play again, again, uh, game again on tomorrow. Tomorrow, and, and and so baseball's back. I mean, I mean, baseball's back. I mean, uh, there's nothing. I mean, that's really cool. I I like baseball. I I don't know if good you do. Good night, Adolfo. Good well, night, okay. Looker. <laughs> okay, uh, that's the end of another. Dimland Radio here on ZTalk Radio uh, Network at uh, ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm reminding you all to uh, to well that skepticism well uh, to be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And then if you're going to go to sleep, uh, you should sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks, Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.